0: Like, if I can do this and I'd be, like, happy with the result, mm-hmm. I'd be comfortable making a feature. Because I've done okay, series, wow. I've done a big fair share of shorts, yeah. and if, uh, if I can do this, I think I'm ready.
1: My name is Wes Gibbons, and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals Podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with Seth Cunningham. Seth is in pre-production for his senior thesis film, Genesis, which is a sci-fi film about a mother and son living on a foreign planet after Earth is made uninhabitable by climate change. We discussed the origin of the story, how Seth crafts his ideas, and how his previous films prepared him for this one. There's a link to Seth's Kickstarter campaign in the description of this episode. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 43 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Seth, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going really well. Um, I think Film Fest just kind of wrapped up. Yeah, this episode comes out a week after Film Fest ended. Ooh,
0: okay. So so we'll be a little late, but yeah, Yeah. I I got a little um, Film Fest sickness, I guess, from being so you know, torn apart of it ending.
1: Yes, yeah. exactly. It was a very sad... It's sad to return to normal life now. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Me neither. Professor Lubo sent... He's at my senior one professor. He sent us all an email saying, we are now returning to normal life. And I wanted to say, please don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we
0: just end the quarter now? Yeah, like, yeah just stop. exactly.
1: You know, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this would be a great way to yeah. end the quarter. But sadly, it is not. But for those who um, do not know, you are Seth Cunningham. You've been on the podcast before Many moons ago. Many, many moons. Back spring quarter, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the beginning of spring quarter, probably. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, because it was in the middle of spring quarter because we hadn't shot episode three of Reconnection yet.
0: Or nuclear. Or nuclear. Yes.
1: Wow, that feels like forever ago.
0: It, it, it really does. Yeah. I think it's about. Oh my god, I think it's about six months at this point.
1: Oh man, yeah. Yeah, time flies. Boy, I don't like that. No. But that's just the way it is.
0: (laughs) It just keeps going fast and faster. That's what I hear. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But
1: you are a senior film major here at SCAD. And we were just talking about the SCAD Savannah Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Which we both attended this year. In love with it. Loved it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is by far my favorite year. One, because I got to do the most. Yeah, yeah. This is,
0: like, my first year that I've actually really, really tried to engage in everything I could about the film festival. Yeah. Because, like, my previous years, I've either, like... Was a freshman and I didn't really know too much about it like I was late on the the ball or I was like a a sophomore or junior But I was like always on set and I was like sets. like yada Yada, yeah, Um, but like this year I like made a purpose. I'm like not scheduling anything I could during the film festival
1: and it pays off. Yeah, it really does I wish I like I've been thinking I guess it's just because this year's flying by and I'm thinking about graduation Yeah, I'm thinking like if I could go back in time and talk to freshman West. I would tell him Please take advantage of the film festival. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, actually, take advantage of it. Um, what were some of your highlights of the of the film festival? Um, the film festival. It's a pretty size. For those who don't know, it's a pretty sizable film festival. It's the largest uh, university run film festival, and um, we had some pretty amazing guests this year. Yeah, and great movies. So, what were some of your highlights?
0: Um. So. I guess movie-wise, my highlights mm-hmm. were... I'm going to say my top four. So I was going to say my top three, but I really like the fourth one, so I got to say it. Okay. Um, so my first one, and it isn't new, um, but it's new to me. Right. I guess it it did come out this year. It's called Booksmart.
1: Yeah.
0: Hilarious. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, Olivia Wilde, Yeah. amazing. Um, and I think it's, it's really awesome because up until about 2010 there's kind of this stereotype in comedy that, like, women aren't funny. Like, either women directors or women actors, they're just not funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's really awesome just seeing, like, a woman director be able to make, in my opinion, one of the most funny movies, like, in the last few years. And then also, you know, there's a bunch of also just comedy movies just starring women that are coming out. Mm -hmm. And it's just just hilarious, and I love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then my number two is Mm -hmm. Two Popes. Yes, um, which is full of witty dialogue and like deeper conversation. And I loved it. It was a great watch I had no idea what it was. I thought I was gonna yeah. hate it thought I was gonna be a bunch of old people But it was <laughs> a bunch of old people, but it was like it was a good time. Yeah Good old people <laughs> good old people. Yeah. Yeah, and it was really interesting kind of seeing two perspectives on kind of the uh, the Religion yeah, and it's it's a narrative, right? Correct. Well, okay, because at first I thought it was a doc. No, so it's a narrative of a true event. So it's kind okay. of like a biopic. I don't know if I'd specifically say biopic. Like a
1: loose one? Yeah. Okay.
0: Because, I mean, they're true events, but, like, I don't know. Usually with biopic, it follows, like, one character, um, and it kind of goes yeah, throughout their life. that's
1: true. What were your other two?
0: My other two, my number three was Parasite. Yeah. Um. Which... I love the director of it. Mm -hmm. I followed him for so long, and I'm really excited about this one, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I highly recommend it if you can go see it. A, just entertaining movie, but B, really good commentary.
1: Okay, sweet.
0: Yeah. And my fourth one was a doc, which I'm really mad that I didn't see more docs this year. Yeah. Because I saw a lot last year at the Film Fest, and they they were amazing. Yeah. But I think this one was called Biggest Little Farm.
1: Yes, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, ben Sheck Snyder recommended me to go see it, so I was like, nice. "Oh, I'll go see it." Yeah. And it's essentially about these two farmers in California that essentially made a farm that was completely sustainable. It was they essentially made an ecosystem where everything kept each other in like checks and balances. So like you right. know, like eat, one animal would eat another animal when they mm. came too many of them, and that animal would like eat this animal, right. and yada yada. And then they could still like be able to like to farm off of that. And yeah. it was really cool how they essentially structured this ecosystem out of. You know this drought land of California right. where everything's dead, everything's dying, nothing's able to live, yeah. and they've they brought back life. It was really cool.
1: This film fest has like become a a really like standard for the docks. Yeah, like our doc lineup for the past couple of years has been really incredible. I saw the cave this year, which is gut wrenching. It's yeah. incredible. Uh, it's hard to watch, but like. Something that everyone needs to watch, I think. And then I resaw Apollo 11. What was that 11. about? So The Cave is about um, a doctor in Syria that is the first woman to ever manage a hospital in Syria's history ever. Shit. And she's managing this hospital that is connected via underground an underground cave system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Syria is in the middle of this, like, conflict... And all these people are dying and getting bombed and she's in the thick of it running this hospital and it portrays her and like how she's struggling to take care of these people with like such limited resources because it's so hard to get things in and out of uh, Al Ghuda, which is where they were. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to get that wrong, but I think that's where it was. Um, But also the misogyny and sexism around her being a woman in the Middle East that's running a hospital. Like One of the earliest scenes is this guy saying like... Why are you why should you be doing this? you should be at home And she's like, I'm saving thousands she doesn't say this <laughs> but you know <laughs> I'm saving thousands of lives like yeah. how, how dare you you know question me but wow. um it's incredible and the do- the director Ferris Fayyad, he directed the Last Men in Aleppo, which is about the white helmets also in Syria. so okay. he's from Syria and he was imprisoned and tortured for the last men in Aleppo. Wow while they were filming for this movie. And like the fact
0: Wait, so it was like interrupted? Like he literally got It's not
1: interrupted, but like he's trying to communicate with the cinematographers like from other parts of Syria and communicate with them. And he said in the docs to watch roundtable, which is uh a panel where all the ten documentary filmmakers or the filmmakers of all the ten documentaries uh at the film festival come together and have a panel. He said at that panel that there were times that he didn't know if his cinematographers like were alive cuz he wouldn't hear from them for 3 months time. Yeah. It's insane. It's so like I I said this and I I really do believe it. It's like a feat of documentary filmmaking. Like the fact that it happened at all is really incredible. And something that a friend of mine pointed out that I thought was really an astute observation is that it's really powerful to see those images, but it's even more powerful to see them in like such fine detail because like those terrible war torn just awful images that we see are typically like taken on a crappy camera or like security camera. But the fact that it's shot on a high quality cinema camera right in the thick of it, it's like, it really makes you think every now, like all the time throughout the movie, like this is real and happening. And it's, it's a harsh movie, but everyone... Should watch it. I have so, so much respect for that man. The fact that, and he he really like blew by the fact that he was tortured in the panel. He was like, yeah, so I was tortured, and I was making this, and it's like, dude, wow, that's, <laughs> it's like, like it's crazy. So definitely see that. And then I rewatched Apollo Eleven. It was my third time seeing it. Yeah, yeah. And I got to meet the director, which was that awesome. was your favorite, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I also saw American Factory, and I got mm-hmm. to meet that director. And American Factory is about. This car manufacturing plant in near Dayton, Ohio, that was closed and then reopened uh, nine years later by a Chinese investor, Chinese like millionaire slash billionaire, I think. And it's about how like all those cultures are clashing and stuff. Really interesting. It's the first film funded or distributed by the Obama's Higher Ground Productions company. Interesting. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, it was a good film fest. Did you get to do a lot of networking, as we love to say, even I though definitely... I hate that word?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talked to a lot of really interesting people mm. and got a lot of really cool advice. Like, nice. um, I don't know what exactly the panel was called, but it's essentially the people who handled distribution for a lot of movies, like the guy who kind of... Was it the, like, a hundred, from $100 to $100 million yeah, or something? Yeah, 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 It was a um, long title. The guy from Joker was there, and I got to talk to him for yeah. a little bit. He was super handy to talk to and really kind of gave you a different perspective on things. Yeah,
1: and you were telling uh, me, Jake, and Lee at lunch that at the panel you found out that that was like a... Favor of a movie,
0: yeah. Can you explain that really quick? Um, not into the biggest detail because it's right. been a couple of days, yeah. But I remember them saying like they really didn't expect it to do too well, like in movie standards, um, right. versus like maybe a hundred million to like 150 million. It was like they're like max dream, like if this was like the best it could absolutely do, that's yeah. how much we make. Um, and I think right now it's made like 700 million, I think so. And yeah, they, they just really love the director and they're like, hey, yeah, like we'll do this for you. and like (laughs) wow what a favor
1: yeah and it's become the highest grossing R-rated film ever so could not have better (laughs) success yeah Um, but yeah if you haven't been to the Savannah Film Festival and you will like maybe live in the area highly suggest it yeah it's a fun time
0: or at least come down from Atlanta one day if you're up from Atlanta for sure um, or in Florida like it's really it's it's a good time and you really get to kind of get engulfed into Mm -hmm. the wonder of filmmaking
1: yeah and I think they offer like Obviously a lot of great narrative films and a lot of great docs, but also like the panels this year were really good and the masterclasses yeah. as well. Um, like there was a masterclass with um, Olivia Wilde, with Daniel Kaluuya, a bunch of great people. So mm-hmm. if you're like a filmmaker trying to become in the industry, air quotes or whatever, you know, it's a good time. But um, I'm glad we both got to actually, you know, utilize <laughs> our time this year, but now that the film fest recap is over, the film fest section of the podcast oh, is boy. over. Um, you are here to talk about your senior thesis film, Genesis. Oh, which follow which coming from your Kickstarter follows a mother and son that live together on a foreign planet after the Earth has been made uninhabitable by climate change.
0: Oh boy, boy oh boy, that's what it's about.
1: <laughs> oh man, you're learning this as the same time as I am. Yeah, I gotta go <laughs> redo a lot of things. <laughs> I gotta go rewrite that script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wrote that? <laughs> um, tell me about this story, because I think this is the first, this is definitely the first, like, sci-fi-esque film that uh, I've featured on this, like, Senior Thesis series. So, oh. yeah. So, tell me about That's it.
0: That's surprising. I feel like, oh, maybe it's just because of me, because I like sci-fi, and right. I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a popular genre. Yeah. But, yeah, so, it's interesting, because I'm trying to take this sci-fi approach to it, but also I'm trying to make it make it feel very... Real and grounded so like not to feel like too out there and too like ooh techno Right. right um, but essentially yeah It follows Adam who's this son who's like essentially lived on this barren planet his entire life and mm. not only just the planet But this small house right mm, okay. and so he's lived with his mother who's kind of been afraid of the world and just everything and She's, yeah. she's lost so much from her past and now she's on this barren planet with um his, her son and just kind of, like, stuck in this house. Mm-hmm. And they kind of lived out there, and or he's lived out his entire life on this house. And, you know, as every teen does, he wants to leave out and, like, you know, see what life's all about, mm-hmm. see what, like, world's about. Just like as, like, you know, like, you and me, like, right. we want to leave our hometowns and, like, mm-hmm. you know, explore the world. Yeah, absolutely. And so, essentially, his mother kind of resents that and mm-hmm. is making a stop to that cause She's afraid of what's out there and, yeah. and you know, like doesn't want to lose something else. She's Mm. lost so much throughout her life.
1: Yeah. I think you said something that can rope me into my next question. You mentioned that it's very grounded. And um, I was talking to a a guy, actually a director at one of those like networking events at the film festival. And I was telling him about Blueberries and how like they say, write what you know. And I've only written like all my movies are very inspired by true events and they're typically like family dramas in a way or like dramas centered around people kind of um not that I come from a dramatic family but like that's just kind of where I get the inspiration from I guess is like from my you know real life and I said like I have so much respect for people who can write fantastical stories because like I couldn't even begin to do that because I write about you know, earth and real stuff, small town Mississippi, pretty much is what I've been writing about. But a lot of the projects that you've worked on, written and directed and produced, are these like kind of fantastical situations, but are grounded in something, I don't want to use the word relatable, but relatable and based in reality. So why is that the method that you gravitate towards to tell these stories? Because I think that's like an interesting dichotomy. It's like it takes place on this foreign planet and it's like has this sci fi element, but the baseline is a mother son relationship.
0: Yeah. Um, so I can give you what I think. Okay. Because, um, you know, like I, I can't completely break down my mind, but oh, yeah, on, of on the base of things, I, I think as a filmmaker, you always try to make something relatable. Um, yeah. And just, A, you, you have to have that connection. Like, because then if not, A, your audience isn't going to care. Mm-hmm. And B, it doesn't mean anything. It's mm-hmm. just, it could, it's just foo-foo at that point. Right. But I think the reason I always kind of go more fantastical with my stories, or at least I think, is because A, I've done, uh, I was very blessed to have a rather good childhood mm-hmm. um, and really, really well supportive parents mm-hmm. and kind of family, but we we traveled a lot, right? And so right. I've, I've been quite mostly around the world mm-hmm. uh, and I've seen a lot of really cool places and just kind of like sitting and experiencing and seeing all those different cultures and just kind of like playing around, like kind of, you know, like you see something on the streets in Thailand or you see something right. on the streets in Trinidad or, or yada yada and you kind of just extrapolate those things mm. uh, and those ideas. And B, I think it's, I guess, it, part of a child in me, you know? Mm. Um, I think it, you know, when you watch Lord of the Rings or when you, right. when you watch something like Harry Potter, you can get engulfed in the story and those stick with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like- crash which was the movie that came out in 2004 it like won like the 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 oscars of the year Mm -hmm. uh, best picture like great story really good stuff but like didn't really you know it hasn't stuck with me but Mm -hmm. like those stories stick with me and i think you know like if you can engage children or if you can engage like sprouting teens and like really just get Mm. them to commit to the world and commit to that that story then you can have them commit to the morals behind that world so the morals behind the story
1: okay yeah is there a part of you that wants to do to those kids what those films did to you
0: in a way i I think so um i wouldn't say like i i am definitely not like um a medieval genre or something like that but i definitely want to create characters and create a world that people can really be invested to and like you do a lot of world building stuff you know i was i was hesitant to say like a fandom um but like like you know, I be, don't mean
1: in an arrogant way. Yeah, of course.
0: But like, be connected and be like, right. really like love the world and like love, mm. you know, use their imaginations and maybe right. create their own stories from that.
1: Yeah. So, what is your process for coming up with these out of the world ideas? Oh, that's a that's a question right there. <laughs> uh, that's a big boy question. <laughs> there sure is. This is a big boy podcast. Oh, um, BBP.
0: <laughs> I um, you know, it's a lot of. Shooting and sometimes most of them are misses. Um, hmm. if that makes sense, it does. Um, by I shooting, have,
1: you mean writing scripts?
0: Yeah, writing scripts are just. Um, I have eight notebooks that like <laughs> half of them are filled, and then for some reason, I just start another one, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> I do the same thing, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I'll like come up with like different ideas of different worlds, and mm-hmm. um, I have the note sections on my phone, and I just continuously right. have story ideas, and then. Sometimes I develop them. Like I have a lot of like one episode scripts for like series mm-hmm. or like yada yada. Or like in high school, I did this show called SEMA, um, which is Greek for lies. But <laughs> yeah, right? So arrogant. Um, <laughs> oh, love that. That is such a
1: high school filmmaker thing to
0: do. Yeah, right? I love it.
1: You're like, it's in a different language. Therefore,
0: Ooh. it's important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remembered I made like literally like Entire world like I made yeah. like a map all these different societies and yada yada Yeah, and just a bunch of those different things and learning What's important to your story and what mm-hmm. what do you not really need um, but also like right. a? lot of times what you don't need makes the stories unique and mo- makes those stories right like people remember those stories because of the like You don't need this to tell a story, but it right. It's a unique part of it and it will catch people's attention You know, yeah, so it's, it's a fine line. You have to walk right So do you ever like seek out
1: similar stories that have already been produced to fuel that inspiration or is it just like in the moment you're driving and you're like, oh, I need to pull over and write this down.
0: I don't know. I I feel like when I'm forming a world, I'm not specifically looking into at that point. I kind of know what the world is and I can kind of form it from there. And there's this thing um, that Barry Jenkins um, said in one of his master classes when he came down, I think mm. the last Film Fest. I think so. And this is about when I was writing Reconnection. Mm. Um, but he's saying like, once you've um, kind of started writing a script and like writing that genre, don't watch anything from that genre. Mm. When, at least in the moment that you're writing the script. Right. I found that interesting, because I would always do the opposite. You know, you like, right. you want to indulge as much as you can. Uh, but then he'd say, you will just kind of start using the specific scenes and specific things from that genre. And so, yeah, I mean, I try to engage, like, I know what type of stories I like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll take all that stuff in and, like, watch that stuff all the time. And I, you know, obviously take that in. But when I'm writing a story specifically, like, about anarchy, like, I'm not going to watch V for Vendetta the day I'm writing about anarchy because, you know, I'm definitely going to just write V for Vendetta (laughs) at that point. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. So something that has come up on this podcast a lot in various episodes is reconnection
0: oh <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should have known it was gonna come yeah up. yeah, yeah. Uh, reconnection was what um you spent all of last year working on you shot an episode a quarter three episodes in one year um and you were the creator slash ep slash showrunner slash <laughs> just uh, you know guy who did everything and director of episode one, of course. how did working on reconnection, which was a huge project and by the way, for everyone knows a passion project which is hard to find time to do here at scad. How did working on that large scale project prepare you for your thesis film?
0: I think it really helped me kind of refine how to do productions and really mm. learn how to work quick and learn yeah what's important and what what do you really need to focus on when doing things. And just, I think mainly, just communication between departments and oh, learning yeah. how to talk to different departments and, mm. you know, when to give some departments time and when not to give some departments time and be like, mm. yo, we need to do this now. Right. Versus like, oh, here, have a little longer on this. Yeah. When to push and when not mm. to push, I think is the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, especially from a producer standpoint. Um, from a creator standpoint, I think the... I was literally writing all the time like for the next episode. Yeah. And so it was interesting being in both pre-production and production constantly. <laughs> yeah. And uh,
1: then and then sometimes and all three stages at once. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: um, and so that was very interesting learning how to juggle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it really helps. I don't know if that answers your question. It absolutely does. Yeah. What was
1: your confidence? And, and again, this might be hard to answer, but what was your confidence level as a filmmaker going into pre-production for episode one And then now going into Genesis.
0: I'm way more confident. Good. (laughs) Um, Not to sound egotistic. No, it's a um, good thing. It's a good thing. But um, yeah, I was kind of, I think I I hit on this the last podcast. When Mm. starting Reconnection episode one, I was, I just kind of directed something and I kind of had a major imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. when directing it. So I was like. Really, kind of recovering from that and i i still feel like i do have that every once in a while when i direct yeah, yeah like that imposter I'm like ooh, i don't know what i'm doing like right. yada yada like i shouldn't be here um but i can really assure myself a lot mm. more now um i'm a lot more confident in my decisions mm-hmm. and i think that is from being forced to constantly make quick decisions for reconnection because like yeah we had a quarter for for to do everything for each episode,
1: which is nothing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> it's barely. Anything. Um. So you really have to make a decision and stick with it. Yeah. Or if you don't stick with it, you need to change your mind and be like, "I messed up. Let's go with this now." Like boom. right,
1: right. Yeah. So okay. So when did the idea for Genesis come? Was that did you like have the the seed for this idea while in production for Rico? So even before
0: reconnection, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I had this sophomore year winter quarter. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. But it was a very, very completely different script at that point. Okay. Um. Way more expensive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Typically, um, how it starts up. Yeah. Which um, my producer Darren wouldn't believe because it's already (laughs) very expensive as it is now. Um. But it was. It was definitely. A little bit more um, art house at that point. Mm. Um, Interesting. Okay. And a lot more uh, mer- metaphor- metaphorical, mm-hmm. kind of with this this symbol that continues throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of that left now, Um, but it's a lot more of kind of a, a tension and kind of a um, relationship piece between the two characters than right. it was um, before.
1: Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go to a submitted question that we got on Instagram by the lovely Kara Ang, who's Ooh, been Cara. on the podcast many times and is the editor for Genesis. She is. Um, and for Reconnection. She, she asked, is. how is this <laughs> how is this film different from Reconnection? Ooh. Other than in every way, shape, and form.
0: The, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think Reconnection, it's definitely more of a character kind of development piece and I think it's mm. from from the form that it's, it's a TV series and usually right. or, or like web series um, but usually those are more character focused and kind of like sh- feeling the character grow throughout of it yeah. um, and this is more of I think environments and kind of short concept situation focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have this world and we introduce really quickly and then we have the moral that goes along with it. Right.
1: Yeah. So we were talking uh, a little bit off podcast about how the undertone slash like underlying issue of the film uh, is climate change. Yes. And how yes. that is um, one of the driving forces of it. Why use that as the undertone?
0: A, I think... Um, even from the very first draft, that's something that has stuck around from the first okay. draft. Okay, interesting. Um, is very important to me is climate change and right. I think it's a <laughs> really important issue. Because the issue. world is on fire right now. Yeah, yeah. the world is literally, <laughs> California is literally on fire. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think it's important that it's an under issue and mm-hmm. not like Like a a head front issue is to be able to approach people appropriately, Mm -hmm. Uh, because if you if you start a movie off or you start something off and you're like climate change is like the biggest deal in the world, like if you don't believe in it, you're stupid, right? Like you that'll work. (laughs) Yeah, you instantly turn off like fifty percent of the population. Yeah, like people are like, oh, cool, I don't care, I'm not watching this, right? Um, what? Um, you need to do, and this is kinda of goes along with the world building aspect that I was talking about yeah. earlier, is you have to connect people with your story, you have to connect people with the characters and make them care about um the characters. Mm. And then from there, you can you can essentially show the effect of what this has on the characters, and then people will be like, Oh wow, like this sucks. Mm-hmm. Essentially, because you know, if if you have a disagreement with somebody, right? Like, the first thing's gonna come up is facts, right? Like, if you disagree yeah. and, like, you know what, I think um, Joker made 200,000. <laughs> and you're like, well, let me just look up. And you look up on your iPhone and right. you say, 700 million. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. That answers that. Yeah. But then if someone doesn't believe you at that point, then um, what you could go is maybe they just, a uh, you thing. Like, maybe it's just a conflict between one person and it's just not, he doesn't value your, your opinion. And so maybe you get mm. somebody else to weigh their opinion and yada, yada. And if it's still not that, then essentially the person's not going to connect to that idea on an emotional level They're kind of blocked off to it so then you have to be able to create a connection with somebody on an emotional level to have them open up to that mm. idea the same thing is with you know um homophobia you know mm-hmm. i think we've we're starting to conquer homophobia right. uh, a lot and you know that i think a big part of that is showing gay culture mm. and like movies and, and, right. and television and you know, showing that as a kid and, you know, connecting to those characters mm-hmm. and seeing the struggles they have to go through because of homophobia. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And so essentially what you have to do is show characters going through struggles because of climate change so you can connect to people and to be able to change their perspective on that.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So is is part of your goal to change people's minds about how they feel about climate change? I, or is I it just to
0: Present it and not have an intention. I think it, it's more of presenting um, a situation. Yeah. Because I think even saying, I, I want to change your mind yeah. is, is, is too heavy handed and too right. arrogant, I think, personally. Absolutely. Um. But I think just putting a statement out there and being like, take this what you will is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, I want to I leave this out there and want people to kind of simmer with it. Mm hmm. So you were talking about how, um,
1: we have to introduce these ideas early. Have you found it in a similar fashion, if you will? Have you found it hard to convince people of your work because of those fantastical situations? Like, is that something you yourself face when dealing with, uh, whether it be professors or just like recruiting people for a film?
0: Yeah, I think I think when pitching something, um, like straight up, like oh, it takes place in a yada yada world, like then people are like, okay, well, like it's it's cool concept, but like right. it doesn't have like the the weight, you know, right. at first behind it. Like, it's like, why do I care? Yeah, like for yeah. for example, um, you yours is really good because like you get the um. The your the audience's attention like immediately mm. it's like you know a family dealing with their grandmother going through Alzheimer's yeah and that's like wow like <laughs> I want to see that like yeah. I want well, I want to you. <laughs> you know see that experience because mm. um, like that's that's huge and yeah. you can com- immediately connect to that on an emotional right. level while like you know if I if I give a situation yeah yeah I I can hope that the entertainment of that situation is gonna draw you in and then right. from there the the actual kind of heart hitting stuff mm-hmm. is will seep in through that entertainment
1: yeah okay yeah. so i want to g- kind of go back to your writing process you, you talked about how like you came up with this uh well over a year ago but the script changed a lot so yes when did you know that you were honing in on the the quote-unquote final idea
0: um so during senior one i actually originally didn't want to go with that idea Really? Yeah, okay. I was like I've been thinking about it, but like I don't think, you know, there's a good way to do it and a affordable way to do it. Like I don't think I'm ready to do this. Okay, so it was mostly like the scale of it. The scale of it and also just the way of telling it. I didn't think uh, the the first draft, I didn't really have it down to a a good way yeah uh, of saying that story mm-hmm. without being heavy-handed and without being right. with also just out being too metaphorical but it was actually our lovely James Sadwith. Oh, um I um he's great. halfway through the quarter <laughs> I met with him and I was like, yo, like I'm really having trouble because I have two ideas. I have mm-hmm. one idea that essentially my original idea was um a piece that kind of focused on the medical it's essentially the fraudulent nature of medicine in third world countries and how mm. you know most of it is either just like expired or like fake or like right. it's um subsidiary and it, it's not as good as like the medicine we buy here, yeah. but like they pay leagues more for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, something hitting that up. But I didn't. I couldn't figure out a respectful way to do that without going either into like a totalitarian society, yeah. or doing a um, like a straight up like post-apocalyptic thing. Mm-hmm. And those are two things I didn't want to really hit on. Um, and so I couldn't find a setting that I would be happy with telling that story mm-hmm. yet. Um, and I obviously we couldn't shoot in a third world country. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I was really struggling with what direction I wanted to go with and he kind of helped me kind of hone that in and was like, mm. well, what if you tried it kind of like this and what if you tried it like that? And I was like, those aren't really working. But then mm. we, he was like, okay, what other ideas do you have? And yeah. then I started talking about what would become Genesis mm. and he kind of helped me like steer me on the right track for that. Gotcha, okay.
1: Yeah. Real quick, tell me about the the title.
0: Ooh, <laughs> um, there's definitely meaning. Um, okay, is
1: it like we'll find out in the movie? Yeah, I don't, okay. want,
0: I don't want to ruin totally too much fine. of it. Please don't spoil. Um, but I do like to have layers in my movies. Right. I have, I think for myself, I have three layers. I have the base layer. I have the, um, I guess political layer, and then mm. I have the metaphorical, the, the metaphysical layer. Wow. Yeah, you know, let me just put my little film eyeglass on. <laughs>
1: Can I get you a coffee or
0: anything? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, wow, that's really interesting. Um, I'm very excited to, you know, figure out the the genesis of that title, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I want to talk about your crew because Ooh. you've got a fantastic crew. Lovely crew. Tell me about your producer, Darren, and some other of the department heads that you've got working on it.
0: Yeah. Um, so me and Darren have worked together um, multiple times yeah. throughout our college career. And I, this is, the, I think, the first time I've worked with her as a producer. Okay. Um, she's produced a couple of films like Amygdala, right. and a couple other ones up there. I think she's produced for Jake Redman before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we've essentially worked together for a lot of our uh, college career, and we mm-hmm. have really good chemistry. And so I was really excited to, to, essentially trust her with this, right. and you know, pitch it to her, and she accepted. And yeah. I was, I was really, really excited when she mm-hmm. did. Um and she's been killing it yeah. left and right, honestly. Like <laughs> so good. I, yeah. yeah, amazing. And Joseph Ahn is our DP, another uh fellow that I've worked with multiple times yes. throughout my career. Who's he's, a SCAD grad? Yeah, he is a SCAD grad, but um we've we've railed him back. Uh or <laughs> <laughs> reeled him back. Luckily he's
1: not far in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, he's so. not far in Atlanta. He takes weekend trips to come visit us right. and do production meetings and stuff like that. So talented, lovely mm-hmm. to work with, yeah. and just gives the best hugs, which is I think very important. <laughs> it's
1: an important in a DP. <laughs> uh, what about your production designer? Reese worked yeah. on Reconnection.
0: Yeah, Reese was I think um, lead set deck mm-hmm. in uh, Reconnection for episode two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he also handled costuming in episode three. Yeah, also. Um, super talented guy. We saw in episode three we had a location essentially drop yep. the day of shooting. Yes, and the he, hour of shooting. The hour of shooting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he we got a, a backup location, mm-hmm. but it was nothing like the original one. Um, yeah, but he completely in like an hour or two just remade the plan for set deck mm-hmm. and did it, and it looked amazing. Yeah, and so he can really think on his feet. He can yeah. really plan well. All around, an amazing production designer and mm. lovely collaborator. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to to show you what he can do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How early were you starting to piece together the crew? Like, when did you get Darren attached to it?
0: Um, spring quarter. Okay. Um, yeah. So I it, we got most of our crew th- spring quarter. A couple people during the um summer. Okay. Um, but yeah, I. Like I was saying, halfway through spring, I was still figuring out my um, senior kind of path. Right. And so, but after I got that done, I was very comfortable because I didn't want to be able to approach somebody without having kind of the big things sought out and like being able to have a pitch packet to pitch people. Right. Um, Because I want to, you know, you want to show that you have your stuff together and you know what you were doing. And so. I wanted to have that first.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about your locations because you filmed your kickstarter video at this desert in North Carolina and I've been to North Carolina many times and I did not know that there's a <laughs> desert there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so that was the first for the location I found and then we had a dream of shooting in Utah and oh, that wow. dream quickly was crushed. <laughs> because utah is very expensive yeah um so then we decided to go with north carolina and essentially it's called jockey's ridge Mm -hmm. it is a barrier island on the coast of north carolina right and it's a state park there that has the biggest sand dunes on the east coast and it's amazing it's lovely Mm -hmm. and it you can't tell that we didn't shoot in the sahara right like it's amazing right so that how many happened. locations
1: are you are you shooting?
0: We're shooting only two. So it's that okay. and then we're shooting essentially in our quote unquote house location. Right. Which we are either building set or we are finding a house that we essentially can really let Reese do whatever he wants inside of.
1: Oh okay. Yeah. Which is looking more likely?
0: Um both are up in the air right now. Okay. I cannot give you a right. confirmed answer. Yeah,
1: totally. I mean, obviously, the perk of building is that you can do whatever you want, but probably more expensive, I would say, for sure. Um, So we just mentioned money. Oh. That is a a big (laughs) fun part of filmmaking. Fun part of filmmaking. Uh, Figuring out how you're going to fund these uh, fun thesis films. You're doing a Kickstarter for yours, and um, I want to talk about, obviously, we're going to dive into the Kickstarter and what perks people can get and um, how it's going to help you fund the movie. But I want to talk about why you chose to use Kickstarter instead of other fundraising platforms. Because there's a bunch out there, but there's like three main ones. It's Kickstarter and Indiegogo are by far the biggest. And then Mm -hmm. Seed and Spark is like a newer company that's established themselves more as as an alternative for fundraising and mostly for films. So for those who don't know, with Kickstarter their kind of funding is uh, all or nothing funding, meaning if your goal is $8,000, for example, and you raise you know $7,999 and you don't reach it, then you don't get any of the money. Of course, at that point, you could just donate a dollar yourself. But uh, it's the idea of that if you don't reach your goal, you don't get any money. Indiegogo has all or nothing funding and flexible funding, which means if, you're, if your campaign is... Eight thousand, and you raise two hundred bucks, then you get two hundred bucks minus you know the five percent platform fee. So Kickstarter, it's a risk. You know, I mean, any fundraising is a risk, just at all, because it's a it's just a risky thing to do. But. Kickstarter there's the inherent risk that you may not get anything. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that you were doing it, I thought, well, of course Seth is doing it because <laughs> cuz <'Cause> we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I knew that you're I know that you're going to reach the goal and I have like I I'm, I'm not lacking any confidence that you will. Um, <laughs> but I've been I've been advising like a lot of people have been coming to me for advice on fundraising because I've done a lot of research on Indiegogo and stuff and I always tell them don't do Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Whatever you raise, you you get on Indiegogo. Yeah. So, why Kickstarter? Um, Because <laughs> it's a big decision to make. Like, no, it is. And, it is. And it's so, I, I see people not realizing, and I guess it's just be, for lack of knowledge, like yeah. there could honestly be a whole quarter-long class about how to set up a, a fundraising campaign for a movie, but... Mm-hmm but it takes forever to build these things and yeah. it's like yeah. you like building one on kickstarter is much different from indiegogo because mm-hmm. they have different specifications and stuff so it's a very big decision to make on what platform you're going to use because that'll affect how your campaign looks at all so like what was that decision process like
0: so i'm going to start with i don't fully endorse only doing kickstarters i think right. i think indiegogo is very viable option and yeah. should be most of the time your option right so there's a couple of reasons why I chose Kickstarter for Genesis specifically. And option number one, well, I'm just going to go go back and forth between Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Go for it. Um, because previously, um, I kind of helped kind of run and kind of set up the frozen pizza Indiegogo. Right.
1: Which which was very well done, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. And that. And very successful.
0: Yeah. Um, and so that was at Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing for that... So with IndieGoGo, like you were saying, it's a flexible platform, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it is five percent platforming fee if yeah. you make your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a nine or ten percent platforming mm-hmm. fee if you do not make your goal. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. Um, I think Kickstarter is a four percent um platforming fee if you make it, and if you don't, you don't get anything. Right. Obviously. It's one hundred percent like we said, a hundred percent platforming <laughs> yeah. fee. Um. But I think the thing with Kickstarter is the the push that if you don't get it, you don't get it. Right. Right. And so. So it
1: forces you to push it. It,
0: it forces you to push it. Right. Um, but also, it it forces others to donate today. Mm. Uh, because it's not like um, with Indiegogo, it's like, oh, like I can I can donate in a little bit, or like if your if your campaign ends, I'll just like send you the money. Right. Mm. Like. No, if you don't right. donate, I'm not going to get anything, <laughs> right? So you you have yeah. to donate. Yeah. And so a big thing that we've been doing is just like telling like anything like helps, like help us get us trending, yada yada. Right. Um that was that's, a big
1: thing for Frozen Pizza as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I
0: think that's a big thing if you're running a fundraising campaign is focus on getting number of people up. Right. Um and then your your money's going to come after that, but mm. the more people see it and the more people donate, uh, just number wise um means the more eyes that will see it
1: right, so did you have to convince Darren for that?
0: Oh, yeah, it was a big <laughs> um both Darren and uh Parham, who was our kind of um marketing producer yeah we I had to, I had a lot of conversations with them right, saying no, i I really think Kickstarter is the way we should go. um we haven't made it yet, but I but you're think doing well, we are doing well, and I, I think it's gonna pay off, yeah, um. I think a strategy that I really started to do more with Genesis that I didn't kind of experiment with much uh, with Frozen is reaching out to people and asking them to help market for us. Like, mm. like for example, like everyone asks, like, hey, can you share this um, Yeah, on your story or yada yada? Right. But um, for Genesis, I essentially sent a bunch of people, like a bunch of friends I know, a bunch of other filmmakers, like a pitch. packet essentially Mm, so it's like yeah Um, Yeah. so I sent them like yo like here's the link here's like the things that we're trying to market it as like the 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 marketing scheme is to get you know share it with as many people in having as many people donate Mm -hmm. even if it's a little bit right um so like like give it to everyone like one dollar is gonna help yada yada Uh, and then I'd send them a bunch of various photos and they can choose what photos videos they want to post from there it's like you're making it easy for them Yes, they, and they, already, can, they can just copy-paste. They can copy <laughs> and paste from there. Yeah. And so then that circle is going to post from that circle and yada, yada. And then it's right. going to expand from there. But essentially you get people marketing for you also. Mm. And it's not like a trick. Like they're doing me a favor and I tell them that. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but You're I think that really, that really helped us a lot. And um, whenever like I go on those big blasts and I'm like, yo, like, kind of send out all those kind of – asking people to market for us. Yeah. I do see like a spike in the like our funding. That's awesome. So it's like, oh cool, that's that's actually like a, helping. Yeah, yeah, it's a
1: direct <laughs> direct response. Yeah. That's awesome. So tell me about some of the perks and how the money will help and what it'll go to and stuff.
0: Yeah. Um I guess I'll I'll hit perks first. Yeah. Um and so, I don't know if you notice, but I, I did this little thing and I thought you'd notice. Okay. Um, is each of our perks is a NASA expedition. Yes, I did notice yeah. that
1: and I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but, yeah, we and have- And that's why
1: I gave you $15,000. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big reveal. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. I think one of my favorite perks is the- um, I think it's called Curiosity- but essentially it's the perk that you get a prop from our set. Yeah. And our set is very, very prop heavy. And yeah. some really, really cool um steampunk and sci-fi props mm. um that are coming out. And so that's just gonna be really cool. And it's not gonna be hard to part with them because I'm sure I'm gonna wanna keep right. like, them really it's cool. Viking. Ones. Viking is Viking. the prop one. Yeah. Viking's the prop yeah. one. Yeah, so I wanna
1: say the names. You know, I will say I forgot about the naming convention until you just said it. And I'm remembering that I really, really love (laughs) it. So it goes Explorer, Apollo, New Horizons, uh, Pioneer, Magellan, Curiosity, Viking, Voyager. Thank you. (laughs) And, of course, Genesis. What is the Genesis mission?
0: So the Genesis mission, I think, was a... um... It was just one of the, like the satellite missions that okay. they had a satellite go around. But you know you had to use it. It's the name you of gotta, the uh, Yeah, you got to use it. No, I I, I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so some fantastic perks there. I think the prop thing is really special. And yeah. I, th- I know y'all did that on Frozen Pizza as well. We do that on I Frozen think. Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how much? What's your goal? How much are you trying to raise? Um, seven thousand. Seven thousand. Okay. Um, but you're over four right now, right? We are at five thousand twenty-two dollars. So you're killing it. Um, yeah. Why 7000 Seth, why do you need 7k? Where is all this why, money going why do, why to? Do, why What's do the I deal need
0: 7k? So I mean, essentially <laughs> on set, we have smoothie makers and we're going to get your money grind it up and drink it. Great. I yeah. love it.
1: I can't wait to give you that money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Um so um <laughs> if you can't tell from the concept art or from the pitch or just from the fact that it's a sci-fi film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's very, very production design heavy. Right. Um. So we, like I said before, we're really letting Reese do whatever mm-hmm. inside this house, like really just transforming it and yeah. like making it its own character essentially. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big chunk of the budget mm-hmm. um, because if that doesn't sell, the movie's not going to sell. Right. Like if you can't convince the people that the house the is world. real. Yeah, yeah. You have to build yeah. the world. Uh, to be able to, for the, the other stuff to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Another big thing is we are shooting in Jockey's Ridge, and so you have to pay for housing and transport. Right. And, yeah. And how, how many hours and, away is that? It is a eight hour drive. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's basically going back to back home. Back yeah. Back home to Mississippi.
0: Yeah. It's essentially on the um border of Virginia. Oh. So. Oh. Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> boy. Oh. Boy.
0: Boy. Oh. Boy. <laughs> that's a long ways away.
1: Yeah. Um. So definitely check out. The Kickstarter for Genesis. It'll be the first link that you can see in the description of this episode. Um, I think when this episode goes live, you'll have a week left.
0: So we'll have a little bit more than a week left. Okay, um, sweet. But we'll have, we'll be, I think, I'm not good at math. So I'm just going to say the 11th, we're dropping our third video, which is going to be a big treat. Hell yeah. Be on the lookout for that. A big old treat.
1: Yeah. And with Kickstarter, I assume that there's a way, like, if you reach the goal, people can still donate. You have stretch Correct. goals and yeah. stuff. Okay. We, we
0: do have stretch goals planned. Right. And, yeah, we'd, we'd love for, to make a goal and continue to make money. Yeah. That'd so, be amazing.
1: Yeah. If, if this episode comes out and they've already reached 7K, you know, still consider donating because mm-hmm. uh, more always helps because yeah. things always happen. <laughs> like, 7K unexpected things.
0: isn't our full budget for the film. Okay. Yeah. We, we are planning on getting... Money from other sources. Gotcha. Um. So it's not like oh, like all we need is seven k to make the film. Right. We need more money to make the film, but seven k is what we were comfortable asking, asking from for. Kickstarter right. since Kickstarter is a all or nothing platform. Right. Um. But you know we'd love more so we can make yeah. the film better.
1: Absolutely. So I want to ask about how Genesis will factor in to your career as a whole. Yeah. Again, I've I've really been repetitive because I've said this every episode. Senior Thesis Film is our penultimate film Great. at film school. Mm-hmm. It is what we spend the entirety of our uh, senior year on. And um, boy, is it stressful. Yeah. <laughs> no matter yeah. if you are funded or not funded or whatever. Um, how how does Genesis fit into the puzzle piece that you want to be your full career? And into Cunning Films, which is your lovely production Ooh. company.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think Cunning Films really essence what makes a good I don't wanna say oh yeah, I'm gonna say a good Hollywood movie. Mm. Um a real Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> um no, because it, it has, you know, it has entertainment for like just like general people, but it also has a, a real meaning to it and right. like real emotions and real meaning. Um and be able to master all of those forms while making a high level and high quality looking content. Right. Yeah. Um, And be able to master all those is really gonna be able like okay, I'm comfortable make a feature now Mm -hmm. Like if I can do this and I'd be like happy with the result Mm -hmm. I'd be comfortable making a feature because I've done okay series. I've done a big fair share of shorts Yeah um, And if if I can do this, I think I'm ready Wow. Yeah,
1: so what like how how long post-graduation do you think that feature would be? like ideally I mean who knows how but like ideally would like maybe within the year
0: within a year or two um, because I'm sure the adjustment period after school is going to take a hot minute (laughs) yeah for sure Um, and just be able to make those kind of contacts and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it's going to be a high budget feature it's not (laughs) we all know this yeah yeah of Um, course it'll probably be an indie feature but I feel like this that will be the stepping stone. Genesis gotcha. will be the stepping stone gotcha. to a feature. Not saying that Genesis is the feature. Okay, um,
1: that was another question. Is it in some way a proof of concept for a feature? Because I know a lot of seniors are doing that.
0: A lot of seniors are doing that right now. I I really wanted to focus on making a self-contained story. Great. Um, I really appreciate that. A lo- yeah, a lot of problems I have with some of the senior stories is um, it's not a self-contained story. Like right. I'm fine if your your proof of concept is going to be for a feature. But if your proof of concept can't stand on its own, right. then that's where you have a problem. I you agree need completely. to make a story that can stand on its own. Right. Like I, I'll hear
1: people say, like, you ask a question, like, oh, well, we explain that in the future. It's like, well, but what about the short?
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. your feature
1: may not get made. You know? Exactly. So, but your short definitely is. So, I think that's a, a healthy way to look at. It. And all of the great features that are from, self-contained shorts like. They were individual stories. Yeah, you yeah know, like I, all the like lights whiplash. out, Whiplash, etc., yeah, exactly. etc. Cetera, et cetera. So
0: Stranger Things that was a there was a short for Stranger really? Things. Really? Yeah, I cannot tell you the actual name of it. I looked it up when it first came out. Gotcha. After that, I can't say anything. Wow, that's really interesting. I never knew that. Um,
1: again, check out the Kickstarter campaign. I am very excited to donate. Um, it's going to be a great film, and I would love to have you back on. You know in post production because yeah. i'm sure the post for this is going to be very interesting <laughs> and just another
0: mountain to climb. Yeah. When are you shooting next quarter? We are shooting um end of february next quarter. Okay. So almost in the middle of the quarter which is a very busy season. Yes it does. Um, yeah, that's about when yeah. we're shooting blueberries and we're very confident yeah. in it.
1: Hell yeah, man. Well, i wish you well in production and i can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be <laughs> awesome, especially like with all that. the stuff that we've worked on together. The, you know, Throughout our time here, uh, I interviewed Taylor, who was in our Film 100 class. So we yeah. all started freshman year, we all started. fall freshman year Film 100. And who would have thought that we'd be here?
0: Core Films coming up um, in a couple weeks. Yeah, it yeah I'm is. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, her episode's already
1: out. So go check oh, it out if you, you should. And you should also donate to her campaign. Give us all money. <laughs> That's what you should do. <laughs> Take every ounce of disposable income you have. And just give it to us. Support the arts. Yeah. Just mail it to me, and I promise to dish it equally. Yeah. I won't spit it on Chipotle. No,
0: no Chipotle. I would never do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Seth, thank you for coming on. And uh, we will catch you guys in the next episode.
0: Do you want to go get Chipotle? For sure. All right, let's do it.